Hey everyone, thanks for joining me on episode 15 of my Houston Sports Podcast. My name is Jeff Balky. I am a writer for Houstonian Magazine and the Houston Press. I also talk sports on Houston Public Media's Houston Matters program most Mondays at 12.45 p.m. on KUHF 88.7 FM here locally. You can hit me up on Twitter. My handle there is at Jeff Balke, B-A-L-K-E, or you can find me via email, jeffbalke at gmail.com. You can also find an archive of all my podcasts as well as links and notes from each one, uh, each episode at jeffbalke.com. Today we'll be predicting the Astros 25-man playoff roster. The Texans are 0-2, and... How will the Rockets fare defensively this season now that Jeff Bezdelic has retired? We're going to dig into all that, starting with topic number one, my way too early 25-man playoff roster predictions. The Astros lost last night to the Mariners in a, another couple of really rough games for them offensively. What else is new at Minute Maid Park? Uh, the Mariners end up taking the season series from the Astros. They're one of only three teams, including the Rays and the Yankees, uh, who did that this year. Look, the Astros are going to win their division. They're four up on the A's uh, with only a, you know 11 games or something left to play. Um, and so they're going to win the division. They're going to have a home field in every series unless they would play Boston in the ALCS, in which case Boston would have a home field there. But it's kind of a moot point given how bad they've been playing at home. I don't think it really matters. And, uh, you know, they just haven't been very good there. And, of course, they've been really bad at home against the Mariners. But we move on. Fortunately, the last seven games of the season are on the road, which should help them. I'm going to go to another game this weekend, uh, courtesy of my friend Frank, who got me a ticket, so which is awesome. See the last series of the year against the Angels. Uh, but we are getting closer to the playoffs, so I felt like it was time to start talking the 25-man playoff roster. I actually wrote a story about that this week for the Houston Press. And I w- let's start with the pitchers. I've broken this down into sort of the locks and the, then the probables. And then we'll take it from here. The first thing I want to say about this is I think it's pretty clear the Astros are going to take 13 pitchers and 12 uh, guys in the lineup. And I think that's the way they typically do it every year. A lot of teams do it that way. The playoffs, if you if you aren't aware, starters don't go as deep into games in the playoffs. Uh, managers have a much tighter leash on that kind of thing. If a guy gets into trouble, they want to get him out immediately, get somebody in there who can protect a lead. Because you have one big inning, it can basically destroy the game for you. You can ruin a series. So <clears throat> they just can't really afford to do that sort of thing. So they're going to be really cautious about you know what they do with their pitchers, which means they're going to need more arms in the bullpen. So I think we're, I'm, I'm working off the premise that we will have 13 healthy arms. I am also working off the premise that Lance McCullers will not be healthy. He hasn't pitched. He's still on the disabled list. I feel like at this point they're going to scratch him from the playoffs. I could be wrong, but I feel like we're gonna. We're, I'm going to operate at least for now under the assumption that that is the case. So let's start with our locks. For starters, we have Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, Dallas Keuchel, Charlie Morton. Those are locks. Now, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when it comes to a three-man rotation, which typically happens after the first playoff series. Will Dallas Keuchel go into the bullpen? Will it be Charlie Morton? You know, Keuchel's not good right off the bat. You saw again last night he gave up three runs in the first inning. He tends to need to warm up. That's not great if you're coming right out of the bullpen. So, But for now, those are our four locks at starters. For relievers... We have Roberto Osuna. He's your closer, so you know he's in there. 
Colin McHugh, their long relief guy who's been excellent all season out of the bullpen, and Ryan Presley, who's been great. I think those three guys are a lock. I also think that Joe Smith, who started out the season a little rough but has been fantastic uh, over the last couple of months, he's a lock. And I also think Hector Rondon is a lock. And I know there are a lot of people who've been down on him lately. He's had some rough outings. I think the Astros trust him, and he's a guy that's that's done it, that's been able to pitch uh, out of the pen for a long time successfully. So I think those guys, that's going to put nine guys automatically. So now we have, I think, you know, we'll have four spots remaining. And I think of those, three of them for are, are I think, probables. Tony Sipp, I think, is going to make this playoff roster because, look, Tony Sipp has been maligned a lot throughout his Astros career, but he's been very good this year, and he is the ideal spot left-handed pitcher. And that's really, you know, he is just a great, you know, lefty out of the bullpen to come in and do that one sort of, you know, get that one guy out. He's done that all season long. Uh, you know, it's just, you know, to me, I think that it's it's a he's just he's just such an, a, a guy that they can use in such a in interesting spot. They don't really have another lefty out of the bullpen unless they go with somebody else, which I'll get to in a minute. Then you have, I think Chris Davinsky will make it. Devo hasn't pitched a ton. He's been a little injured, but we're going to assume that he's going to get healthy enough, and I think they trust him. He's the kind of guy, again, another guy that pitches well against lefties, better against lefties probably than righties. So that's what they, they're going to need some of that when they go in the playoffs. And then I think they trust Will Harris. I don't think Will Harris has been great this season by any stretch, but I think they trust him in this position. So that gets us up to 12. So the question is, who is number 13? Like I said, Lance McCullers, I'm just taking him out of the picture. I'm going to assume he's going to remain on the DL. That leaves you with really three options. Brad Peacock, who I just don't think is going to make the playoff roster. He hasn't been going to this. I mean, it's, we're, Peacock and McCullers, who were both kind of heroes of the World Series last year, I don't think either of them are going to make the playoff roster. Um, Peacock's been hurt a little bit, and, you know, just he hasn't, they, I don't think they can trust him. And then you've got two youngsters. Framber Valdez and Josh James. Now, I think out of those two, the, it, the, the only argument you could make really for Framber Valdez at this point, he's been very good, but the main argument you can make with him is, well, he is a guy who has been, who, who's a lefty. So that gives you another left-handed arm, uh, you know, re- regardless of experience or anything else, it gives you another arm out of the bullpen that's from the left. But... I still think the guy that's going to get in is Josh James. Look, this kid has been phenomenal this year. He came out and had another good start uh, in the second game against the Mariners. He throws high heat, so he's a guy that can come out of the bullpen, come in and just immediately start throwing 100-mile-an-hour fastballs, uh, which he locates pretty well. He's just he's kind of a phenomenon. He's a young guy, but I think he's going to be the 13th. So that's what your pitching roster. So the pitching lineup would would look like this. Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, Dallas Keuchel, Charlie Morton, your presumptive starters, probably in that order. Uh, Roberto Osuna, Colin McHugh, Ryan Presley, I think your main stalwart guys, along with Joe Smith, Hector Rondon, Tony Sipp as your lefty specialist, Chris Davinsky, Will Harris, and Josh James. I think those are your guys. Now let's move on to the lineup. And this is where it gets a little funky because we're only talking about taking 12 guys. And so I think when you look at 
your first you want to look at your locks and we'll take them by position. So definitely Brian McCann and Martin Maldonado. You're going to take two catchers, and I think that's going to you know, and those two guys. Unfortunately, you're not going to see. Uh, you're, you're just not. I just don't think we're going to see as good as Max Stassi was early in the season. He's going to miss another playoffs. I think. Infield, you've got Yuli at Guriel at first base, Jose Altuve at second base, Carlos Correa at short, Alex Bregman at third. That's set. Your outfield, Marwin Gonzalez, George Springer, and Josh Reddick. That's all set. Those are your locks. That's nine. We move on on to the other guys. I think you're going to see. I think Tony Kemp is going to make this roster because he's a lefty. He's a guy that can play defense in the outfield. He runs well, and he's been hitting the ball really well. He's a 300 hitter. Um, he makes contact every time he gets up. He doesn't strike out that often. So you have that. Then you have, now this is where it gets And I also think Tyler White has played himself onto this playoff roster. You know, it really comes, I think the thing with Tyler White is he played himself on because, for one, he can DH, but he can also play first base and a little bit of third base. So he gives you some options. So then that leaves it down really between Evan Gaddis and Jake Marisnik. And... I think the Astros will pick Evan Gaddis because of his ability to change the game with one swing of the bat. And I and he's been your DH basically all season long. Additionally, he can be your third emergency catcher. And I think it's a shame because, look, as bad as Marisnik has been at the plate all season long, he is so good defensively. He's just He's an elite-level defensive player. And there are times when you put him in the outfield – he just locks down center field, and and I think it's going to be very difficult for make that decision. Now, if they decided to go thirteen guys in the lineup and only twelve pitchers, then you see him making it, or maybe they make the bold move and say we're going to leave Tyler White off, and we're going to go with him. I just don't see them leaving Gaddis off, but it's going to be tricky. Um, it, it's going to be probably a little more surprising even than last year. Last year, I mean, they you know left Mike Fires off. They had pitchers they could leave off the roster. So we shall see. I so far that so for the pitching, I'll run over it one more time. I have Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, Dallas Keuchel, Charlie Morton for starters. Relievers: Osuna, Rondon, Smith, McHugh, Presley, Sip, Harris, Davinsky, and James. Uh, in the lineup, we have McCann, Maldonado, Guriel, Altuve, Correa, Bregman, Gonzalez, Springer, Reddick, Kemp, Gaddis, and Tyler White. And that's what I have right now. Subject to change as we get closer to the playoffs, but uh, that'll at least give us an initial breakdown. Okay, let's move on to topic number two, the depressing 0-2 Texans. And, you know, um, it's really just depressing if you're a pro football fan in Houston. I mean, the Oilers, the Texans, uh, they got knocked around by the Titans, who were missing, by the way, their four best offensive players. They only threw the ball 20 times. Um, to me, the whole problem continues to come down to just poor game management and coaching. Bill O'Brien has been a train wreck, you know, this in the first two games of the season. Deshaun Watson looked a little bit better. Will Fuller coming back was a huge benefit to them. Uh, offensively. Defensively, they weren't awful. They weren't really able to get to the quarterback. I mean, you know, the Titans had a game plan where they weren't going to let anybody get to three-step drops and quick throws. It's very tough. But I think what was interesting is my my friend Sean Pendergast, who also writes for the press and is on 610, he, he had a really good breakdown of the worst 
uh, losses of the Bill O'Brien era in Houston. And uh, he added some chronological ones, but his top five were the Dolphins, 44 to the Texans, 26 in week seven of 2015. That was a brutal game. They, they were behind 41 to nothing. Miami was a terrible team. Uh, it was Ryan Mallett lost the starting job to Brian Hoyer and missed the flight to the game. You know, Arian Foster blew out his Achilles in that game. That was a horrible game. The fourth one he has on his list is when the Colts beat the Texans 33-28 in 2014. They gave up, you know, he says one week before giving up 24 points and three minutes to the Steelers, the Texans rewarded a Thursday night national TV audience by giving up 24 points in the first quarter to the visiting Colts. So it was like an onside kick. That was a that was a bad, bad game. Then there was number three on his list when the Patriots just Patriots just whooped the Texans 27 0 in 2016 on a Thursday night game. The Patriots did not have Tom Brady, who was suspended. Jimmy Garoppolo was injured, so they started Jacoby Brissett. I remember this game because I was actually out of town. I was listening to this game. I was in Arkansas or something. And I was listening to it on national radio, and it was just awful. It was just horrible. I, to me, that might be the worst, to me. Number two is the wild card game in 2015 when the Texans lost 30 nothing to the Chiefs. That was a horrible, just, you know. they That was the game where uh, they used J.J. Watt as a, as a running back. It was like the they, they called it the, the Watt Cat. Or, it's just a just bizarre. Sean actually has this last week, however, as their as the worst loss in the Bill O'Brien era. And he says that essentially in all the other games, the Texans were an underdog. Uh, but in this game, they were a four-point favorite and they lost. And you know, you can't disagree with him, but the biggest deal is how long is it going to be before Bill O'Brien is on the hot seat? Let's think about this. Three seasons ago, remember Les Alexander, 11 games into the season for the Rockets, fired Kevin McHale? Bob McNair is not that guy, and that is one of the reasons they continue to struggle. If you're the ownership of a team, you have to be willing to roll the dice. You have to be willing to say, you know what, it's not good enough. We have got to have better. And if you see things going down the tube, sometimes you need to make a knee-jerk reaction just to shake things up, to let guys know, hey, man, there's accountability in here. And by the way, Bill O'Brien, who I do not dislike, and I've rooted for him as a coach, he just sometimes it's just a bad look from him when he's you know angry after games and he's like critical of the media for asking him questions. I just I hate stuff like that. It's like, listen, man, you're the one that's losing. Nobody else is losing. Everybody just wants to know why you're losing. You need to explain yourself. And um, I don't know. They're kind of a mess right now. They're a disaster. Now the the truth is they have three exceptionally winnable games over their next next few, including the Giants coming up this week, but I don't know. Wouldn't shock me to see them lose some more, and I got to wonder how long is it going to take before Bill O'Brien really starts feeling the heat. All right, let's move on to topic three, and that is the Houston Rockets losing associate head coach Jeff Bezdelic, who retired this year at the this summer at the age of 65, just this past week. He was the architect of the Rockets defense, former head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies, there have been a lot of jokes online about, oh, they got Carmelo and Jeff Bezdelic retired. Look, Bezdelic wanted to spend more time with his family, and good for him. But the question does come up with losing, uh, you know, I've talked about it here, and I've talked about it on the radio, 
and I've written about it, how I don't think their defense will take a dramatic step back. Like, they're not going to go from 6th in the league to 30th in the league. But each little chip away at that defense will make a difference. First, they lose Ariza. They're not going to pay him $15 million a year, so they have to. Then Luke Bamute opts out and chooses to go uh, play back with the Clippers. <clears throat> now, they did bring in James Ennis, who's a good defensive player. They still have their core of their defense. I think James Ennis and Luke Bamute are interchangeable defensively. The biggest loss will be Ariza, where he's being replaced with Carmelo. Then they make this deal. Of course, we I just read something the other day that um, it's one of their new acquisitions. Brandon Knight was having a knee scope, and he's going to miss a few weeks. I don't know what if that's true or not or what the deal is. But basically, as we go through this offseason into the early part of the season, the speculation about their defense is going to be for you know front and center. Because now they don't, it's not just that they don't have a guy who architected their defense, who architected, is that even a word? Who built and designed their defense, let's say. But they don't have that guy there every day talking about it. And look, Mike D'Antoni is an offensive-minded guy, right? And he's going to remain that way. So that balance of this, you know, associate head coach, which is the closest thing they have to like an assistant head coach in the NFL in the, when it comes to the NBA, he was a guy who was always the voice of play defense, play defense, play defense. Now, that, some of that's going to fall to Roy Rogers, who's uh, a solid defensive guy and, and can take over that role. They also brought in one of their G League uh, coaches, so we're going to have to watch. That's going to be something that's going to be careful to watch. I think the Texans can fall off defensively a little bit and still be as good as they were last year. I think maybe they can fall off into, say, around the 10, 11, 12 range in defense. I don't have to be number six. Remember, they adopted the switching style of defense halfway through last year, and they played that defense a lot in the playoffs, and they were the second-best defense in the playoffs. I think they can bring that back and continue to be good with that. If they can stay in the top 10 in defense, I think they're going to be fine. If they can stay maybe even in the top 13 in defense, if they fall into the lower half of the league in defense, it's going to be trouble. They have to be able to stop people. They're going to outscore a lot of teams, and they're going to win a lot of games because there's a lot of bad teams in the NBA, and they're going to win just by default because most nights when they get on the floor, they're just going to have more talent, assuming no injuries, obviously. But defensively, when they get against the better teams, they're going to have to stop people. Now, it didn't help them last year against Golden State when, quite frankly, their biggest problem was they couldn't score. But... They're going to have to, they are definitely going to have to really be cognizant of what they're going to do defensively. I think the Rockets Brain Trust knows this. This is a smart group of people, and I think they're, they're going to be very aware of it and pay attention to it. Uh, but that will be something that we'll bear watching throughout training camp. Um, speaking of which, I will be at Rockets Media Day next Monday, and I hope to have some quotes from that next week. Training camp opens next week. Can you believe it? I mean, unbelievable. We're probably going to get a cool front next week. It's going to be October in another week. My favorite day of the year is October 1st. And the reason it is is because all the major sports are playing at the same time. You've got pro and college football. You've got NBA and uh, training camp. You've got NHL and training camp. Baseball going into the playoffs. Hurricane season for Texas is essentially over. We start getting some cool weather. The holidays are upon us. I love October. So that's coming, and so hopefully we'll have something to cheer about for the Texans next week as well, because good grief. I mean, if they lose to the Giants, I, I'm going backwards. 
Anyway, let's <laughs> let's hope for bigger and better things to come this week. So that's going to do it for me. Just a reminder, I'll be on Houston Matters on KUHF next Monday, September 24th, although I will be doing it on the phone because I'll be at Rockets Media Day, which this year is being held at one of Tillman Fertitta's hotels, interestingly enough, instead of the Toyota Center. And then I'll be back next Thursday here. Again, you can find me on Twitter at Jeff Balky or via email jeffbalky at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out previous episodes and links to the things I discussed here on my blog as well at jeffbalky.com. Everybody have a great week, and I will talk to you next time.